0: hello and welcome along to 101 part-time jobs podcast with me giles Bitter, the only podcast in the world where you get to hear musicians that you're fond of talk about their part-time jobs they've had along their way if they're not part-time jobs maybe they're full-time jobs maybe it's things that they need to do in order to survive i'm so excited to welcome austin crane of valley maker to the show he's just released his new record when the day leaves it's a wonderful piece of work i've been listening to it pretty constantly and it's been a brilliant record to kind of enter the start of spring with if you haven't heard it already i do recommend you go check that out right now or after the show you know whatever's good thank you for listening to this podcast we're approaching the 101st episode and I've got something really exciting or at least I'm excited about it to announce on that day East London Signature Brew have been brewing music inspired beers since 2011 they're the official beer of 101 part time jobs they've made beers with Mastodon Idols Slaves Sports Team Craig Finn The Darkness and a whole bunch of others and if you live in the UK you can go onto their website signaturebrew.co.uk make an order directly to your house and with the voucher code 101 podcast all capital letters you can get 10 off that order all right this is austin crane valley maker on 101 part-time jobs podcast go well cheers oh and if you're looking for plans this saturday 20th of march valley makers doing an album release stream for when the day leaves and you can find more information on that and get your tickets at valleymaker.gctv.stream Austin thank you so much for joining me today I've been loving listening to your record and do you know what I've been listening to it on my Alexa have you got one of them the the bass is
1: good oh that's cool nice yeah I I do not I uh am pretty low tech in my life in a lot of ways uh, <laughs> but I'm trying to be better at that stuff especially like in a in a season of the pandemic when shows aren't really happening, it feels like I've been kind of realizing that uh, there, the degree to which I'm going to have like interaction with people around this release, at least for the months surrounding it, is going to be uh, in the digital sphere mostly. So I'm, I'm trying, to, uh, trying to get better with that stuff, but I, I haven't quite gotten a home uh, smart speaker yet.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, your new record, When the Day Leaves, it, it, it sounds to me like it's coming from a analog kind of place.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's that's like a real I, I have a few different kind of moving parts in my life, too, which we could talk about if it's interesting. I, I've been working on a Ph.D., which I'm almost done with, and I, I teach some classes online, geography classes. So I I feel like for me, I'm always uh, trying to I'm I, I'm not like too busy, but it's just because I have a few different like spheres of life. Uh, music, uh, you know, music is a huge part of like how I spend my days but like making sure I carve out some kind of pure time to just be like with my instruments and writing and not just on like the computer feels like something that has to be a bit of a discipline for sure.
0: Speaking about discipline you're doing my job for me (laughs) asking about part-time jobs being a being a geography teacher that must take up quite a lot of your time.
1: Yeah I really like it I uh you know like even I guess well before I had any idea that uh, I could be a working musician or a touring musician or, you know, on a label and kind of continue to put out records. I have been really interested in, uh, I don't know, like the world and the connections between people and uh, like issues of like migration and international development and things like that. So I, uh, I've been in grad school for probably too long, a very long time. (laughs) I, uh, I, I studied like uh, I studied some of that stuff for my undergrad and then, after working a bit, I uh, I did a master's in geography and then carried on into the the PhD, and that that was when I moved out to Seattle in like 2013 range to kind of begin the PhD process, which I am uh, almost done with. But yeah, that that was kind of a uh, that was what brought me out to Seattle to go to the University of Washington there. And then, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm always like since I was 13 years old have written songs and kind of music's been like my favorite thing to do when I, you know, when I'm like by myself and especially when I'm with my friends, I've always been in bands and stuff. And uh, it wasn't really until I moved to Seattle that I felt like I had a context for like how to grow a project and m- met some people to, to kind of help with that. But, you know, up until that point, I had really only played shows locally and done, done a bit of like really DIY regional touring. But once I was in Seattle, I kind of was able to start opening for some, art touring artists who are coming through and got connected with a label out there initially for the, for two releases ago. And then, um, in 2018 got hooked up with French kiss and was able to start. Yeah. Just touring a lot more. And so it's, it's been, (laughs) I feel like these all goes to say these two, uh, kind of roads or pursuits or like teaching and academia and research and uh on one hand and music on the other have kind of evolved pretty organically in relation to one another and in relation to where I'm living over the last uh last decade or so
0: and being in Seattle that's obviously got so much so much history and music did did you ever find it hard to you know was that hard to not get too excited about that have you found a you know have you found it okay to be satisfied in in both of those realms the teaching the academia um, but then also also playing the music because I can just imagine that you know you're gonna get you're gonna get really excited about one of them <laughs> being in Seattle you might be might be getting too excited about the music and kind of neglecting the academia and the teaching has that happened to you?
1: <laughs> For sure yeah I think I you know sometimes it is stressful to do both well and then sometimes I have to be a bit seasonal um and I think you know like a season when you're like releasing a record is obviously like pretty intense and there's a lot of things to do or when you're on tour there's a lot to do but then there's there's times when when I'm home and you know like I I feel like a good chunk of if I think on average of the last five years when I've not been on the road um you know it's it's really nice to have some balance and to be able to kind of I don't know, it, they use pretty different parts of the brain, I think. I mean, there are some some overlaps that which we could talk about, but i I think that like in a lot of ways, it's been really uh generative and kind of mutually beneficial to be able to do some more kind of analytical work, or you know, teaching is very much like its own process that I love and very kind of interactive discussion-based with with other people and kind of sharing ideas and stuff so that's those those are two kind of terrains and you know writing a article for academic publication for example is, is very analytical whereas like on the other hand when I like pick up the guitar and go into the the headspace of songwriting I feel like that's that's a space for me like not to try to like put a pin on things you know not to try to like Arrive at a conclusion or like a clear understanding necessarily. It's it's a space to kind of enter enter the mystery of being alive and kind of encounter some of those big questions that I feel like I'm often sitting with, and many of us are often sitting with about what it means to be alive and what's happening around us and to be in relation with other people. I think songwriting is a space that I think for me. um yeah allows me to engage that stuff and then uh you know then you put the record out and go on tour and uh then it it also can be very relational too which I love I I feel like I'm I'm missing that so much right now just uh I, I don't think I realized until the the pandemic hit and we got well into it how much of my community and like social interaction and uh (laughs) like uh just yeah connection with other people is centered around uh the ongoing reality of of music in my life and uh all the beautiful people around the world including in the UK that have come into my life through that you know so uh so that's that's uh yeah that's a few things that come to mind about that dynamic between the two I think we're going to need
0: some practice when gigs start happening again and parties happen because you know (laughs) We haven't we haven't been that good at socializing. I think we might be quite bad getting back into it
1: <laughs> man. I realized recently I've turned into such a weirdo because i am just I'm home all the time i I never leave my house right now i'm just i I take my dogs on a walk or something, but other than that i'm I'm just here and uh I met with someone at the university of um, of South Carolina where in the city that I live in, and they're actually back on campus. The students are back and i I went on campus like with my you know mask and hand sanitizer and just felt like i i could tell how much my like psyche my mental psyche had changed just being in a space with a lot of other people walking around and you know it's just uh i think you're right yeah it's hard it's a little bit hard to imagine being in a packed room of people at a concert even though that's like the only thing i want a lot of the time like i miss that so bad, but it's also like gonna feel weird <laughs> Yeah,
0: totally. That you know what you said about being seasonal—that makes so much sense to me. And it just makes me think that we're not really taught that we can be seasonal in our vocations. Do you know what I mean? It's not really something that a lot of jobs can offer you. You know, the fact that you can go on tour six months in the year and then and then do that job the other six months. And on on a deeper level, maybe it's a bit of a a kind of Bowieism. It's like you know, we got we got so many different sides to us. Do you know what I mean? We're not just a goofy person or a happy person or a sad person uh you you know I mean there's loads of different ways to to be and that's something that the outside world sometimes doesn't let you know can be possible
1: yeah I, I I love what you said and totally agree with it that we all are you know an amalgam of different things and you know it's it's especially as we age and get older and you know I like especially for me having moved to this place where I grew up or close to where I grew up it's about an hour away from there um you know, like I think this, this move from Seattle back to South Carolina definitely brought up a lot of those questions, you know, especially nearing the end of the PhD. And (laughs) basically as soon as we moved here, uh, the pandemic set in too. So I, I would, I would not say that I have that balance figured out for sure. It's, it's a very open-ended question for me. Like the world, the world feels, uh, like unbelievably uncertain right now and the future feels like that. But, um, but that being said i i really do uh i deeply uh affirm and believe what you said about like us having multiple parts of who we are and uh and yeah it being a like healthy and beneficial way to live to try to like keep those active and 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 mutually mutually uh reinforcing even kind of of those different if we can kind of be honest about that fact that i'm not just one thing or i don't do just one thing with my life like you know at the level of personal identity you know just to take it easy on ourselves even (laughs) like the the need to feel productive and accomplished and everything it's like it it, uh so some days I struggle with that for sure but it also is like uh cool uh and I, I love I think the reality of like teaching regularly that's very cyclical you know semester to semester and then music with the seasonality and cyclicality of different records and different tours I feel like it's it's a chance to continually try to build something, you know, and and you're always doing that with other people too, which is going to change, change it every time, you know, the people who are involved on a record or the students in a class or, you know, the people who are coming to the shows. So it, it, uh, there's, there's a kind of humanity and interaction and kind of, yeah, like the chance to collectively build something in these two different worlds that I'm in that I, that I always really feed off of and, and enjoy a lot too. And it's, it's cool to, uh, I'm realizing, excuse me, I'm realizing with this uh, record coming out uh, how much like happier I've been the last few weeks just to be able to like have a a project, you know, and something that I'm kind of like building and getting to have conversations like this around. Um, I always feel like that at the beginning of like a semester with teaching too. It's it's just really kind of fun to meet the students and Start, start that process and everything. So yeah, that's, that's part of it too. I think the kind of continually, yeah, having, having projects that you're building with other people. I, I, I dig that a lot.
0: In the context of, you know, the music industry, and I'm specifically thinking about press releases, it's kind of a, a press officer's job to sum you up, to define you as one or two things to journalists, you know, trying to sum you up, trying to shape you to put you into make you something that's easily disseminated easily written about which completely makes sense um but i'm just thinking you know but your but your first album came out in 2010 self-titled and i suppose you know since 2010 that's given you 11 years to think about how you want to be represented how you want to be defined or summed up in that way that makes you easily digestible as, as a musician
1: Yep, yep, for sure. And I uh I always every time we work on a bio for a record, which I've done a few times now, it's always uh you know, a bit of a long long-winded conversation that then gets whittled down and whittled down just to uh, to try to try to create a bit of a bit of a narrative or a yeah, yeah, an identity around the release. But I think honestly with uh with this new record that was a little bit easier because this move from uh, move from Seattle to South Carolina is a pretty uh, foundational or fundamental dimension of, of this record and uh, even how it was made and the headspace I was in around kind of writing it and recording it. So I feel like that, that kind of uh, was uh, in terms of like telling the story of the record and the, the season of life that surrounded it and uh, getting that kind of biography together, that, that to me felt like a pretty immediate uh, space to be in, you know?
0: saying it again it's over a decade that you've been able to reflect on on what you are who you are how you (laughs) how you want to be represented to the world does is there a fearlessness that you can develop over that time
1: yeah I, I I hope so I mean that's I'm always like I feel like being honest with my art and music and how the ways in which that exists in the world has always been something that's felt pretty important to me but then you know like especially especially in my early mid 20s, when I was kind of starting grad school, I definitely think for a while I was like, is it okay that I am like, (laughs) playing music or like, share, like, I don't know, like, like, can I tell people that I do this? Or I don't know. I, I think for definitely part of me, uh, growing up as a person and uh, figuring out who I am in the world is just trying to be pretty, pretty honest and transparent about like, not, not like I have the answers for how to strike a balance between like life in academia and music, but at least that being something that I, uh, am like pretty committed because I really love both things, you know, out of a place of sincerity, like it's something that I honestly want to kind of try to figure out as time goes along. And, uh, and you know, like, like money and finances is one part of that, but I think it also, like, we only have, so much time on earth and only so many days that were that that were healthy like not to be heavy but I just I feel like I, I part part of getting a little bit older too is just trying to be like really present to to the time that I have and how I use that and yeah creating space for for the things that I love and I don't I don't think it makes sense to uh in line with what you said earlier that we're all like a mixed mixture of different things and have different seasons to our lives and parts of who we are I, I don't think it as as I've gotten older, it hasn't made much sense to try to artificially enforce like boundaries between those things or, or not be honest with people about kind of who I am or where, where I want my life to go in these ways. And, and it's been, it's been really meaningful. I think on the academic side, like if I think about my PhD advisor, who is like the best person in the world, I'd really just appreciate her so much. And, uh, you know, the folks at French kiss are like, the booking agents that I work with, uh, for concerts and stuff, I feel like, uh, being able to just be honest about what I want from life and how I see all this stuff kind of come in, like how I, how I want to have like a open, a future that's open to different possibilities for balancing these things. Um, I think that's, that's been something that actually, um, maybe because it leads partly to generative conversations like this and has like a bit of narrative around the, the music as well, um, but I, I think it's been something that people have been like to me surprisingly open to and accepting of, and kind of even like i don't know yeah, encouraging they've encouraged it, so yeah great to
0: hear H- have there have there been times in your career where you've thought oh this doesn't, this doesn't feel like me you, you know you've gone down a gone down a route, and maybe it seemed right at the time, but you know you started it and it, it wasn't it wasn't feeling like you. Has that happened where you've had to sort
1: of do a 180 on yourself? Uh, I don't, do you mean that in terms of like the industry or like specific projects or? Yeah.
0: People you're working with, but you know, mainly yourself, have you found yourself kind of run away with, with what you're doing? I mean, we all have the ability to kind of let our egos get the best of us sometimes to think something's a good idea when it might not be.
1: Sure. I, I, I feel like, um, what if I think about the music side of my life, I I and it's probably partly because of like I mentioned a little while earlier the, the part of the country that I grew up in and the kind of context that I lived in like I I didn't know anyone who was like a working artist you know that that wasn't on my radar as like something that, <laughs> that like you could be uh, quote unquote when you grow up you know yeah so yeah. it's I I honestly uh and, and I'm just so aware too that like to what, to whatever, whatever degree to which I'm able to do music for my job, that depends on people coming to my shows, people buying the merchandise that I have, people like listening to the music online, people like yourself wanting to have conversations like this, you know? So I, I, I've always like, I've always tried to kind of maintain a, I don't know, I guess like a humility around that or like a perspective around that to just be like, I I don't deserve a career in, me, in music. I'm I'm gonna work hard for one, and I I'm going to uh, do the best work that I can. But it, if I get to have that, or for the years in which I get to be uh be like a working musician, or devote time and energy to that, um, which is the way I like to think about it more than money. It's like you know, like the the time the time that I can devote to music will be. Largely based on people like believing in what I'm doing and like and supporting it, and uh, I I don't know for, for me mentally, I think that helps me stay in a like place of kind of gratitude and acceptance a lot more than like wishing things, wishing things were better than they are or you know like not being satisfied or something because I don't know it's I I th- this is not my phrase I've heard a lot of people say it over time that like music is not a competition you know like I, I really. I really believe that, and I think that music is uh <laughs> music is also not like a job that that I feel like I deserve it's one that I love and one that I feel so like truly like uh grateful that i I've been able to uh to do in the last few years but i i you know it's it's something that uh something that I try to keep keep perspective on and yeah just just if I'm tempted to get into a bad headspace about it, just remember like I don't know, like last last summer I got to, uh, I got to tour Europe for like five weeks with Steve Gunn, who's an artist that I've loved for a long time. And, you know, like, like, I I just think about certain moments that have like happened or like good shows or, you know, it's, it's like, I've already had like, or like a label like French kiss that I've known since I was like a teenager is like putting out my music now, or, you know, like I'm on a booking agency with a lot of artists that I have like that i listened to way before i like even moved to seattle or whatever so i i I don't know i just try to kind of think about like the journey of my life up to this point and uh be like grateful for things that have happened and you know that that's not to say i don't want like my project to grow more or like that i don't like have hopes for the future and things that i want to work towards i I certainly do but i try to just just for myself like mentally try to kind of keep that all in perspective and in that way you know
0: Absolutely. I love doing this podcast and I also produce at Soho Radio, which is an internet radio station. And, you know, I, I think sometimes you'll have those down days where you think, oh, I love what I do, I love what I do, but I wish I didn't have to freak out so much about um, you know, it not being full time or not being able to make like a, a proper Wad from it. Do you know what I mean? And I think that it's easy to get down on yourself. Sometimes it's hard to pick yourself up from those days.
1: Yeah. No, I mean I I uh, I definitely struggle with those thoughts from time to time and I think especially in the past year uh, you know we moved back to South Carolina from Seattle about a year ago for for my wife's job. She she uh she delivers babies. She works in a oh, wow. in a hospital and uh, she's a midwife. Yeah, which is amazing and I you know I like I have so much awe awe and admiration and like Respect for the work that she does, and when she uh she got this job offer in South Carolina, like I guess a year and a half ago, I I remember like the moment in Seattle where it was just like, well, we're obviously like moving because that's where like, our family's in that area. We have a ton of community. It's a lot more affordable than than Seattle, and uh, yeah, it just. But you know, like uh, the reality of that move was like, so what does that mean? What does that mean for kind of my vocation? And uh, like, it felt like us being in a more affordable area meant that I would be able to like kind of rest in the fact that I'm like doing music and there's not enough as much like pressure around that. Like when you, as when you live in a city like Seattle, but um, yeah. It's, it, and then the pandemic hit like kind of right when we moved here and all, I had a lot of tour dates. Like, I don't know how many, like upwards of 50 to to 75 tour dates get kind of canceled and are perpetually moved back now into, you know, the outer reaches of this year. So, um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely been, you know, that those conversations are always, uh, are those thoughts or, or, you know, they don't go away. You know, there's a lot of pressure to sort of particularly around aging. Like I'm in my early thirties now and it's sort of like a time definitely where like your friends start having kids and getting like promoted in their jobs and all that stuff. And you're like, well, I was going to tour this year, but no, I can't. (laughs) 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 Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's it's a mental uh trip a little bit for sure
0: yeah i get i guess one of the best ways you can describe valley maker is that you know you're a folk artist and being a folk artist that's a that's the definition of a working musician right
1: definitely yeah you don't like have the sense that you're ever going to be like playing stadiums or something it's like and, yeah. and, and honestly i love that about it like i uh I love playing small venues and the immediacy of that and the kind of, yeah, like the humanity of it, like, like the kind of ability to, I, I do, I always like it whenever I can, whenever it's practical, I, I like to be at the merch table, like at my shows. And I don't know, I, I probably because when I'm not touring, I'm just like home a lot with my writing my p writing my uh, dissertation and teaching online and stuff. So, so, uh, I feel like getting to, uh, getting to tour is uh yeah it definitely I love the the aspect of it feels like like a job that I love you know
0: and you tour alone do you I mean talking about the financial aspect of it anyone can see how when when you're touring alone you and an acoustic guitar maybe you can take public transport and you know the 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 take home from it will be we're bigger you know frankly
1: definitely yeah i uh i the like valley maker as a project for me is kind of at this point after it's been in existence for 10 years or so even though i've only been touring maybe half that time i uh i kind of see it as like a first and foremost i guess a avenue for for my songs but then uh beyond that like a pretty large tent of collaborators who live uh live kind of all over the country at this point so uh touring i I, every tour is a little bit different and i actually love that um part part of that is certainly practical considerations like yeah what are the budgets for the shows because it's important to me to like be able to pay people and at least something for their time and uh you know like so if if the the show budgets are small like not taking five or seven people out you know is like a, a wise thing to do uh but you know also like regional considerations i uh especially living out in seattle i wonder if this will change now that i'm in the on the east coast but you know seattle is quite peripheral in terms of uh where it's at in the uh in the geography of the united states so like to go on tour from there if you're not going to get on a plane and fly somewhere is like a bit of a commitment you know you kind of set out to. so i feel like historically i've i've had like some people on the the west coast that i've i've toured with for shows in that region and then a few folks like based out of the southeast and uh on the east coast for shows like on this side of the country and then europe uh europe has tended to be solo more than with a band just because the cost of getting over there and stuff but uh and, and it's nice to be able to do it solo um Too just for for supporting tours as well. I think like just you know because support budgets are always pretty low, understandably, and uh, that that's a nice way to be able to do that um, as well. How do you reconcile
0: between playing alone and playing with a band? Because they're going to be two different types of performances, right? Do you see that as an opportunity to 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 show different sides of you?
1: I do. Yeah, I uh, I think you know solo for me definitely takes more focus or like, I feel like I have to be really present to the song itself and the, the performance. And obviously that's something I always want to do, but, uh, but I feel like when it's solo, you feel a little bit, uh, exposed <laughs> in that way, you know, but, uh, uh part of that for me as has over the years has been an evolution of like, even the guitars that I play and like what I do, like I've started, like solo I always like to play whether it's an acoustic or electric guitar I like to have an amp up on stage that creates a bit of you know some reverb that creates a bit of like an atmosphere uh, around just because that that feels a little bit less stark to me you know but um honestly I and then like playing with a band does feel like something especially you know some of my songs are more like groove oriented than others like so if it's a solo show i'll I'll lean a little bit more on the finger picking kind of songs, whereas if it's a band show, I'll change the set list a little bit more towards that. But uh, you know, also for the songs that I would play the same way the, for the songs that would be in both both sets solo or or band, I feel like it's honestly so fun to to like inhabit the songs that I write differently. Does that make sense like like Definitely. to have a song that feels like one-way solo and then like very different with a band like maybe we do an extended intro or like speed it up or slow it down or like you know make it grieve a little harder I, I don't know like it's it's really cool I, and in general I like to see songs as kind of like living artifacts that like are very dynamic in terms of what they mean how and that can change over time and evolve between different people or even for me the meaning of a song can change over time but I also love that like you know, like songs are also things that like in the context of a tour that I write, you know, in the, in my house and then bring out on the road and share with four or five other people. And that feels like very different and like an evolution of that, uh, of the song as an artifact and something that can kind of, uh, like blossom a little bit differently every night. And that's, that's one of the things about touring that I honestly love. Um, and it's also like, it's depends on the room you're in and, you know, so that's, that's, that's there's a uh yeah dynamism is probably the best word or kind of uh different possibilities for how the song can feel that i feel kind of addicted to that's like one of my favorite things about about touring
0: it's nice to hear that you don't feel pressured about making any hard and fast decisions like you know you don't always have to be a solo artist you don't always you know have to be a band that that freedom must be enjoyable
1: yeah i i uh i kind of like uh yeah, I, I do not feel like that. I, I like the ability to um do do tours differently and uh one one way that I have toured before and I hope I get to do more of as well is with my, my friend Amy Godwin who sings on the record and she's actually sang on all, all of the records that I've done as value maker.
0: Her voice is amazing on on some of those songs on the new record.
1: Ah, uh, thank you. I guess I should say uh I'll pass that along. But uh I agree with you. <laughs> she's she's great um like and and it's probably my closest collaborator over time we've been really good friends for like since we were in in college like 10 12 years ago and have like she lives in portland oregon now and is a choir teacher so we don't get to tour very often together but um every once in a while while she and i will do like duo shows with just just a guitar and two vocals and that's that's another uh way of playing and touring that i really really love and hope hope can happen again soon I
0: guess something that you're always naturally going to be you know pressured to look towards is the future and how you see how you see what you're doing in the long term Sure we've we've touched on it already a few times in this chat between education and teaching and then playing as valley maker and and across other musical projects how do you see those things continuing can you imagine there's going to be an impasse or one of them one of them's going to take over the other
1: yeah, it's that. <laughs> that's a. I wish I had <laughs> sorry, a, no, no, sorry. no. I, I wish I had a uh, better answer to that. That feels like the million dollar question of my life right now. But um, yeah, I, I hope I, I can tell you what I hope for. I guess that that I can strike a balance between kind of being able to be an educator and a sustainable. Like, so I'm gonna finish my PhD. That's that's the first thing, and I'm I'm like working on my dissertation every day like even this morning and after this interview i've kind of like got my got it up on my computer and have have been plugging away so that's that's the goal first and foremost which i'm hoping to do by middle of this year and then you know if if shows are back uh back online which you know hopefully they will be by late summer or fall i'll i'll gladly kind of step into that for a while and then you know to, to play some shows on this new album and then beyond that um i guess I could just say what I'd hope, hope for, which is to be able to kind of be based in a school or like, you know, college or university, like where I'm able to, to do some teaching. Uh, But like also whether it's in summer breaks or uh, you know, like semester by semester kind of make the decision uh, to, to uh, yeah, carve out some space for, for shows, how those can happen. Um, You know, as much as I love playing shows, I'm also like, not super inclined to be the person that's like on the road like 200 to 300 days a year you know like i keeping tours in the uh two to four week zone and then being home for a while so uh which you know you can cover a pretty good bit of ground in that amount of time and you know so uh i i definitely think it's possible and plenty of people have done it um where to sort of be like have a have a life and vocation as an educator and then play you know several months of shows in any given year kind of around uh around the flow of that so that's that's what I'm always like working towards and imagining for the future and yeah so we'll see and then you know if, if music got to a point in which that could be just like full time and I could be a bit more yeah who knows we'll we'll see uh we'll see what the years ahead hold but uh yeah I'm, I'm committed to uh to try and to see what's possible.
0: What are you doing your PhD on? What's the, the title of your dissertation?
1: The title of the dissertation is the, uh, I could look it up here. I forget. It's, it's changed a few times, but essentially it's, uh, it's like around the, the politics of humanitarianism and how the kind of conflicts that are involved in uh, the spaces of humanitarianism around migration in the European Union, uh, I did a lot of uh, kind of qualitative interviews and observation with uh, different humanitarian organizations like in London and different different kind of major cities like Berlin, Hamburg, uh, Brussels, different, different cities around Europe that have, uh, have a lot of migrants living there, particularly uh, recently arrived asylum seekers. And uh, these organizations kind of help those migrants like navigate the process of seeking asylum and then figure out what to do Uh, If, if they receive a negative decision, like if they're not allowed to stay, which is a really kind of uh, difficult, like very difficult space for the migrants to be in because they're already in Europe, but uh, are having to navigate, you know, the decision to try to stay and like appeal the asylum decision or, you know, move to another country or like go back home or, you know, like, and uh, so there that's, that's a space in which like humanitarian organizations are trying to uh, yeah, give advice and provide resources and outlets. But, uh, it's also, uh, we, we live in a time, uh, in the U S and the UK and in much of Europe where governments, at least parts of our governments are seeing migration as a, as a threat and as a security issue, uh, or there's, you know, definitely political, political, uh, pressure that governments feel around that from, perhaps uh, I might say racist, but uh, you know, like right wing kind of uh, movements in society uh, that
0: it's arbitrary, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is, it is, but you know, it, it creates these really difficult situations for migrants who are living in pretty extreme limbo. And uh, I guess the motivation for uh, the motivation for my PhD was to try to understand how humanitarian organizations, in or particular humanitarian actors, Navigate that that pretty uh, conflicted space, like wanting to help migrants, but also having a pretty limited range um, in which they can help them, just because of how security focused our governments are at this point around that issue. It's the lottery of life to some degree. I mean, my like, uh, sorry, I'm I feel like I'm going into geography teacher mode right now, but it's it's, I feel uh, (laughs) feel like I'm learning. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, yeah, I you know, migration is a undeniable reality of our world today like you know people people are moving and migrating for many reasons i i just migrated across thousands of miles you know internally back you know within the united states but i also you know frequently cross borders you know for example like on any given european tour i might you know cross borders 10 or 15 or 20 times and uh you know uh that's i'm I, i'm a privileged citizen that, and that I get to do that. I have a passport that allows me to do that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's hardly something that I would even be like conscious of if I hadn't been like studying this stuff, you know, but it's, it's, uh,
0: it's not something that we earned that, is it?
1: No. Yeah, it's, it's not. And I think it's so important to, uh, and this is, this is one of the reasons I love teaching geography classes or teaching around issues of migration, because it creates a space in which we can kind of think deeply about who migrants are and why people, why people leave their home. The different reasons for that, like you know, like why people, for example, in the country that I live in, the United States. Like, why are uh, caravans of migrants coming through, uh, coming through Latin America and Central America, and why why might people like be leaving uh, certain areas of Mexico to come to the United States? Like, <laughs> even why why are places in the United States like you know, how do we benefit? from uh the labor of people uh who are undocumented in this country. You know, there's there's a lot of things around it that uh I think in the political discourse that's just around uh quote unquote whether they're legal or illegal uh which I try not to use those terms but uh, you know that's that's uh that's a sort of uh gross simplification of a extremely human and extremely difficult and uh embodied process of migration that um I think it's like you know, we're, we're all human beings and we're all like, you know, many of us are motivated by a desire to be with family or to, to provide for the people that we love or, you know, to continue to, uh, you know, to, to better our lives. And, uh, you know, like just by the nature of where we were born, there's a really pretty massive geography of inequality around that in the world. So that's, a uh, that, that's really what kind of motivated me to like start doing my PhD actually, like kind of, just being bothered by that reality and wanting to understand it more deeply, and uh, you know, it's it's been quite interesting. I, I'm thinking of a particular moment when I was going through the uh, the Amsterdam airport with my uh, guitar cases in hand and like stressed out about getting to my flight on time. And I actually like walked by the area of the airport that uh, I had talked to people about in my interviews that like people who are returning migrants who are returning from Europe like. Get sent to, and uh, it was a real moment for me of like, wow, I'm so like privileged, you know. I I get to like travel around with my guitars and play music, and like this is the area that people are like, who've given like everything to come to Europe or like having to go back home, you know. That's so
0: strange. I had exactly the same experience in Amsterdam. I missed a flight once coming home, and then on the way out again, I saw the queue of people being detained and it was horrible. It was an awful sight.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of wild that we live in a world that is, uh, you know, borderless for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, like globalization, I guess would be the technical term for that. We live in a globalized world, but, uh, for many people, borders like matter immensely and are, you know, huge factors in their lives. And yeah, that's, so that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, and I, I think even on my new record, there are some some moments where I'm kind of reckoning with that stuff, hopefully not into not in a, like, I don't know, just it's it's one of the things I think about a lot in terms of like what it means for me to to be alive in this moment and for us as human beings to be living in relation to one another. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's that would be an issue that probably like bleeds in certain ways into well, certainly my academic life, but kind of bleeds into the the sphere of music, too uh, in the writing, even, uh, even beyond that instance in the airport that I just referenced where it was extremely apparent.
0: Do you think this is a subject that comes down to the way the are well, first of all, education, and then as a big part of that, the general communication or whether it's discussed in a language that someone such as myself would understand someone who's not a civil servant or a government official or has been trained specifically in that. Do you think that is what one of the solutions to a better world being, being able to talk about migration in a way that we can all understand?
1: Yes, I think so. I, I, here's, here's what I would say to that. I I don't think I have like, I don't see myself as being like particularly wise or having like answers for the world on this topic, but I, I do, I do believe that, um, like, there are a lot of dimensions of migrate let's just take migration like there are a lot of dimensions of migration that are rarely considered um in our societies and like political discourses but i think are really important um because if they were considered like the humanity of of migrants and the humanity of the migration journey and like you know why people migrate and what they experience when they migrate like those kinds of things um I'm I'm hopeful at least. These these are somewhat dark political times to be saying this in, especially after the, you know, you know, <laughs> attack on the Capitol building a few weeks ago in the United States and you know, we we're we're in a fairly heavy time right now where a lot of people are angry. Um but I'm I'm hopeful that uh education at a fairly broad level can foster empathy, you know, like if we if we gain an understanding of where other people are coming from uh that we our hearts will be a little softer and a little more open and a little more inclusive uh you know ar- around an issue like migration for example um and the way we talk about that and the policies that we desire for our country around that you know i hope that like better understanding of like the humanity of that could uh could create create more empathy um for people and hopefully like change our society that's that's why I want to teach about it and why I believe it's important to um yeah yeah
0: well we got pretty deep thanks for uh thanks for um you know being up for answering my questions I think sometimes that's the uh that's the scary thing about these big topics though I think it is you feel a bit vulnerable when you ask these questions
1: oh no it, it's fine I, I I'm glad it's it's cool this it's nice. it's actually uh this has been fun to think about how these two worlds of my life intersect it's it's been really valuable for me too thanks for the great questions
0: <laughs> well look at us your album when the day leaves has just come out it's a masterful body of work my favorite song on it is no one is missing i think it just it sounds it just sounds amazing the noise floor on it is is incredible what's your favorite song from the record
1: that's a great question i i could way over this so i'm just going to tell you the first one that came to mind <laughs> um I think it would be Mockingbird which I actually released as a standalone single uh in the fall so uh so it's out there on on the streaming services and whatnot now but it'll it'll be a part of the it is a part of the record as well um yeah I I think it I and I'm inclined to say it's my favorite one because it's if I pick up the guitar when I pick up my guitar at the house it's kind of the one that I most often start playing and Want to want to play for myself and feel like feel a lot of resonance with when I play, but it it also um it was the song I wrote like maybe three or four days after we arrived to South Carolina. Most of the record I wrote before we moved here, um, in the kind of months and year leading up to that move in Seattle. But uh, there were a couple songs, uh, including Mockingbird, that I wrote uh, once we'd arrived here before before recording began. And I I think, uh, that song is very much a sort of capsule, a time capsule or a timestamp maybe of like how I was feeling in that moment. And many of the, uh, many of the questions, it's, it's a long song. It's like almost six minutes, I think, and has, uh, you know, quite a few verses that think about or that engage with different dimensions of my past and questions about the future. And, you know, the, the tensions in, inherent in moving across the country and, you know, leaving people behind, but also joining, joining a new community. Uh, a lot of those, a lot of those uh, kind of big questions and issues that were swirling around at that moment of having just arrived here. Um, that song, when I, when I listen to it now or when I play it now, it feels uh, very true. Uh, and I guess real to, to where I was at in that moment. So I, I think I, uh, that would probably be my favorite one
0: for that reason. That's the way to answer a question about your new record. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Thank you so much for the chat, Austin.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Austin Crane of Valley Maker when The Day Leaves is out now. If you're into any kind of folk music of all sorts, I'm pretty sure you're going to love it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please go ahead and rate and review it and tell your friends it exists. Thank you Austin for coming on. Thank you Amy at Prescription for sorting this out and Go well. Have a lovely afternoon. Have a lovely rest of your week. See you next week. Cheers. I've been working all day for me, mate, on the side. Running around
1: like a blue ass fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate. Every me, I've been on the go. Up down the
2: ladder like a free bow. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate.
0: This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast.
2: MyPatriotSupply.com